0: Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of One Vision. Joining us today are Sonia Dreisler and Lev Gagnon, the founders of Choir and the first diversity certification for financial conferences. Welcome to the show, ladies, and many, many congrats to the new company.
2: Thank you. Thanks thank you. Us. And thank you for helping to make Choir what it is. We appreciate your contributions. Yeah,
1: welcome. The party is just started. I actually can't <laughs> wait to see um, what's going to happen for this year, next year, and onwards. And um, so I wanted to start off the conversation by reiterating, I think, something that a lot of us have been feeling for a long time. And thank you for putting those in words and in your beautiful website about listening to the same voices for far too long and that indeed has been the case and that's the one thing we we try to change with our podcast as well to amplify different voices and to tell different stories from founders and entrepreneurs everywhere so you can imagine how excited i was last year when i hear about what you two were doing and now we actually have to here. so before we go further can we start off with can you tell our audience a little bit about what both of you do before you start choir
0: sure i'll start so um and this is Liv speaking uh my background is in pr and media relations for the last 10 years or so, I've been working with financial services companies, anyone from large RAs and broker-dealers to fintech companies, service providers, uh, helping folks really enter into the space uh, with media and branding. For the last few years, and how I met Sonia, I had um, started my own company called Portaga, specifically helping with brand messaging and development.
2: And um, for the last five this is Sonia speaking. For the last oh five and a half, six years, I have been consulting in the ESG and impact investing space to consulting to financial services firms as well as writing and speaking on my the topic I'm very passionate about, which is Um, race and gender in financial services and reducing the inequities there. And so prior to consulting, I worked in very traditional financial services roles, um, including the last one was as the CEO of a broker dealer and RIA based here in San Francisco. But my career story is a good one. I'll give you the very short version because I did not intend to get into financial services I started as an executive assistant to the CEO of a uh, independent broker dealer because I needed a job. It wasn't a very good job market. It was post.com, excuse me, it was post.com bust in San Francisco and um so I took I took any interview I could get essentially <laughs> and Uh, I really hit it off with the CEO. She offered me a job on the spot and I uh, told her very honestly, I wasn't interested in working in financial services, uh, but that I would come work there for a little bit and she asked for a one year commitment and I was there much longer than that. I started as executive assistant and that's the same place that I ended up 13 years later as the CEO. So did a variety of things in between as you might imagine, and just kind of learned, um, learned along the way all inside of one company, which was a really great uh, learning experience for me. And then, um, after we, um, we sold that company and that's when I started consulting, um, speaking and writing and yeah, that's how, and I met live when I was having a bit of a. Um, media crisis of my own, I was getting a lot of media attention that I didn't really know what to do with And somebody introduced me to live who just gave me incredible media training and after that we really we really hit it off. We started working on some clients together and um and then um about a year ago she called me and asked, "Hey, can I run an idea by you?" And I said, "Yeah, I've been wanting to run an idea by you too." <laughs> and that's how Choir started.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think what's so interesting and unique is that we both have different professional backgrounds and both saw the same thing happening in the industry which is actually why i you know i like to i would like to say that it was a better story of how the idea kind of popped into my brain but it just did it popped in there and i thought you know why isn't there a way at the time to connect um, professionals who are women and people of color with journalists that was my thought and I just couldn't get the idea out of my head. I like couldn't fall asleep, um, couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, you know, Sonia would be a great person to talk to. And I said, here's an idea. And she said, I've had a similar one. Let's go in on this together. And it just snowballed from there.
2: And funny enough, Theo. Um, I know you know Kat Furman. I know she's been a guest on the show. I talked to her about a similar idea to this for conferences. Um, Similarly to Liv's idea about journalists. Um, You know, how do we connect professionals to get more of them on stage? Probably five years ago when I was early in my consulting um, career. And I just, I didn't really know what to do with it. She really encouraged me to pursue it. And I, I sort of set it aside and um, now I'm back and ready. <laughs> uh, and and we, got to, we got to chat with Kat in the process last year too. It was really fun to see it kind of come full, full circle finally.
1: I like her, she, she, is, she is amazing. I, I still remember meeting her the first time in South by Southwest, um, and, and she was pitching about her idea. Mm-hmm. Gosh, this was back in 2017 or 16. I can't remember now. So this has been a while, and she's she absolutely fabulous. And as you say, the rest was history. Yep. <laughs> so, so let's talk about choir um, and, and the idea behind it. One would think it should have been common sense. Right to have different voices, different faces in the space that we talk because it's more interesting that way. You have different people, with different perspective, and as you know, the world does not lack women or people from communities of color. Neither does our space, nor the audience that we serve. But one thing we don't talk about enough, which I I found it interesting, is almost like a um, tangential benefit, if you will or an urgent need of why this is important. It's not just to get different ideas, get different voices, but it's also the opportunities associated with being visible, being visible in media, being visible on stage. And that lead to opportunities. So I want to ask a question, or perhaps a rhetorical question. Why do we seem to be so stuck doing the same thing over and over and over again?
0: I would say that we're stuck from this common excuse that we hear in our industry, which is that we have a pipeline problem. It's one of the most common things you'll hear from, you know, anyone who's having these conversations that, you know, we would love to get more voices on stage, we'd love to get more voices in the media, they're just not there. And we know that they are, right? There's entire conferences that have lineups of speakers who are you know people of color and women and those amazing professionals are there but we're not listening to them (laughs) and so because of that we know that we don't have a pipeline problem we have a listening problem and that's really the core of why we started choir. We want to change effectively who our industry listens to. And so I think, you know, over the last year, Sonia and I really have been trying to figure out what is standing in the way. Where is that gap between the folks that say we should have people on stage and the action? And we found really two main forces that um, have been causing this. Number one is that Our industry really has never defined what it means to be representative. We've never had a common benchmark or um, even common language to have these conversations. And well-intentioned companies that know that diversity is important, they know that diversity helps business, um, they struggle because without a benchmark, you can't really hit any Target, right? So we've been operating with moving targets. So that's number 1 and um, and that's why, you know, choir is. Creating that benchmark and measuring and helping companies measure year over year. Number 2 is that we really have a networking problem and we all see it. We just don't typically have words to talk about it, Um, but what's happening is that our industry. the Bubbles of networks are so tiny. People are struggling with expanding those networks, bringing new voices into their networks. And as we know, opportunities come from networking. They come from having people in positions of power uh, to sponsor them, to advocate for them. And we've created a situation where our networks are like echo chambers. And so the same conferences call on the same voices time and time again. And with time constraints and budget constraints, um, they often just run to who they know or run to who their networks know. And so we've had, you know, we continue to have this problem with the same voices over and over again.
1: I, I can't agree more. I think even as we moved things towards virtual events, it still seems like we still suffer from the same problem. How many times do we see the same faces on the same webinars talking about the same challenges over and over again? And I remember one time an event organizer told me, well, you know, it was really hard to get women to travel because they have all these Uh, challenges with regards to taking care of kids and all of that. Well, as we moved virtual, I would think, I would like to hope that that excuse wasn't there anymore. And then it became, well, we can't get the people who don't have a big network because they couldn't put butts in seats. Well, then we just keep reiterating the same problem over and over again, and we couldn't seem to be able to break out from it. Um, I think a lot of the efforts needs to be intentional and we need to make more of an effort to do it instead of keep reaching into the same black book. Cause you're right, we don't have a pipeline problem. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how Quayo works. What is the Quayo score and, and how does certification work and why do event organizers wanna sign up for it?
2: <laughs> so I'll take this one, this is Sonia. Um, so just thinking about that lack of diversity standard that Liv mentioned, The choir um, certification and the pledge, which we'll talk about, that's our solution to that lack of standard. And so we have elements for both conferences and their attendees and speakers. So um, for conferences, we have the choir certification, which is the financial industry's first conference diversity certification and it sets the industry's first measurable benchmark for including the voices of women and people of color and it does so using objective data-driven scoring and offers public accountability and commitment and so you asked how the score behind the certification works so um let me get into that When we work with a conference, first we look at the agenda of their most recent event. And then we use an objective 100-point assessment and we look very granularly at every single speaking spot and check out the visibility of each speaking spot. Um, Each spot is scored on a variety, I think, seven different visibility factors. Because obviously, just for example, a keynote speaker has way more visibility than one person on a five-person panel when there's four panels happening at the same time, right? Um, And for example, a a moderator has less opportunity to demonstrate their, um, their expertise than a uh, panelist a moderator is a hard role to to play but it's one where you you don't often get as much uh, opportunity to to show your expertise so we look at a, a variety of these visibility factors to um to score each speaking slot and so then and then we kind of tally all that up and with a maximum of 100 points the choir score quantifies How well a conference highlights the voices of women and people of color, and specifically women of color, in comparison to their representation in the U.S. population. And so conferences with a score acquire score between 60 and 75 are eligible for certification and use of a bronze badge. And as they get closer to proportional representation, they can earn a silver badge. And the gold badge is really reserved for conferences that include the voices of women and people of color near or above their representation in the U.S. population. And so that's the conference side of the equation. And like I said, we wanted to have everybody have a role here. So another piece of the puzzle is the conference attendees and speakers. We know from all the research that we've done and my work in this area for years that um, attendees and speakers want to and can play a role in influencing and improving who the representation that we see on stage at events. And we know that allies, especially white men allies, have a big role to play here. So we wanted to make it easy for people to do something. So on that side of the equation, we have the what we call the choir pledge, which you can find on our website. And the pledge outlines 4 high level diversity criteria that attendees can easily measure by glancing through a conference agenda or website. And the pledge is a free public statement of commitment and allyship signed by that can be signed by attendees, speakers and sponsors that essentially says, I will go to events only if they meet these four baseline criteria. We can go through the criteria if you think it would be interesting to your listeners, or we can just keep going, Um, but we think of the criteria as very pretty low level baseline and really encourage conferences to to meet higher standards than that, but these are baseline criteria that we hope every conference can meet starting July 1st of this year.
1: And to be honest, though, I, I look through those, and it shouldn't be too hard, right? It really shouldn't be. And and I like your thought process behind the fact that attendees and speakers can influence change. To what we see on stage that's something that we have started seeing last year when we see people that said you know i will not be speaking at your conference unless i see more diversity in the panel that i am and so i don't become you know like a, a mental if you will so we're seeing a little bit of that here and there but again kudos to youtube for putting it on paper and getting people to actually publicly commit to that
2: Yeah, we actually heard in our research, it was actually pretty surprising to us that the demand for this was, um, there was a strong demand for something like this from white men who, both speakers and attendees, who want to be allies and want to support inclusive conferences. And they just don't know like how exactly, or what to say, or what leverage they have. And so this gives them a really easy tool to say, Look, I've signed the choir pledge. Will your conference meet these 4 basic requirements? If so,
0: it gives them that tool to put into their speaker page on their website. We've already had pledge signers ask, you know, how can I point to this to let people know um, if you have speaker contract, this gives them something to link to in their contract. There's really, this is designed, you mentioned before Theo, intention and it's really, it creates a way for people to choose their speaking roles with intention and choose where they want to attend with intention and looking at how, I mean since we launched, looking at how far this pledge has gone in such a short time, it really underscores that for conference organizers that people are paying attention. People are choosing where they want to put their time, money, resources based on what events are really focusing on putting diverse voices on stage. And to us, it's something for everyone to start listening to um, when we see just how many people have been interested in this pledge
1: I like that um we need to start somewhere it's about damn time that we do um (laughs) so you both are fierce advocates of DEI, um diversity equity and finance traditionally a field that's dominated by a certain demographic that's very um Mono, if you will, looking at the startup space though unfortunately, I feel like that picture is not too different either. Um, I... you know right you look at you look at the funding um you know, allocated even though we have gotten what massive amount of record funding going to startups, yet women scored um the least percentage in the past five years, so you know. It's like, how can that be? We don't lack money. We don't have a pipeline problem. We do have people. And more depressingly, if you look at a lot of the reports that's been coming out um, for the last few years, is pointing to is going to take a few generations. We're not talking about 20, 30 years. We're not talking about 100 years. We're talking about over 200 years before we'll actually see more equality. Do we really have to wait that long? oh my gosh i really
2: (laughs) hope not (laughs) it is so um it's so incredibly frustrating to see the distribution of both who gets funding like you're mentioning and who gets to have their voices heard and i do think those two things are tied very closely together and it's not frustrating to me just because i'm a woman or because i'm an advocate for racial and gender equity but it's frustrating because I know there are brilliant ideas that aren't being heard and brilliant businesses that aren't coming to the market. Talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. And to paraphrase something, um, Tyrone Ross, one of our board members said recently, what did he say? You can't claim that finance is a meritocracy until everyone has an opportunity to show their merit. And right now that's just not happening.
1: I like that. I like that I might have to have to uh requote it and use that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for for those who are trying to make a change. Um what would your top advice be being through the journey that you two have been through seeing what you've seen so far and actually taking action
2: right to to
1: make it work what would you tell them
2: oh i love this question and this is sonia again so my top my number one piece of advice for change makers is if you are in the business of changing the game Stop seeking validation from people who benefit from maintaining the status quo. This is hard advice to take. This is advice I give myself. Still, I've been giving it to myself for years. It is hard advice to take, and it's really important because the people who are benefiting from the things that are happening right now are not the ones who are in your corner, who are likely to be in your corner um, trying to drive change. Mm -hmm. You may find some unlikely allies, but if you, if you're, if they're not, if you're hitting a wall, it's time to move on. (laughs) And, you know, my
0: advice, I also love this question. Uh, my advice really would be, you know, if you have an idea, listen to your gut. If you know what's broken, if you have an idea of how to fix it, listen to yourself and don't stop until you've really surrounded yourself with people who believe in you and want to help and who can be advocates. Um, Supporting someone is entirely free. (laughs) You can share what they're doing to your networks. We have so many free technology tools to uh, spread ideas and innovation. And so don't stop until you really find that group of people who are willing to amplify what you're doing and use their networks to help make your dream happen.
1: I like that especially to the point of amplification a lot of it is free right you can help and it won't cost you anything and in the end it makes the ecosystem that much brighter and that much better and you know why not right yeah. why not
0: sending an email can change someone's life if if you're a a founder let's say you're a white man who has founded a number of companies, you have however many reporter contacts, your network's extensive, sending one email really can absolutely change a founder's life, someone who's underrepresented. Um, And so, you know, I just wanna stress that, that it's important that we help each other out as founders, and especially if you see someone who hasn't had the same level of opportunity or resources.
1: I can't agree more. I saw recently in news about um, Y Combinator starting a cohort of founders focusing on something very specific and their requirement is you have had to be from the YC cohort. I understand why they were doing that, right? You know, because you want to have that common background, for lack of better words, that to start. But it, And this is not poking at any particular accelerator, but it, it does make me wonder, what about those who are not in that group? No different than a lot of startups. We see they came from the same universities again and again because alumni groups support each other. They want to support someone who came from their school. Well. We can't create change if we keep going back to our silos and recreating new silos. That that does not work. We need to expand the network. We need to reach out to people who are not from our bubble. We need to reach out from people who are not from our state or from our accelerator or alumni school because that's how we can create change. We can't create change doing the same thing over and over again. Exactly. You know, it just, it seems... Simple. It seems like common sense. But yet here we are. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That network that you're talking about, it's actually a perfect, um, you know, entry into one thing that we are also launching with choir having to do with the network problem is uh, we so we have the conference certification, the pledge. And then the third part, which we're launching this spring to address this expansion of networks is Choir Voices, and this is a um, streamlined platform where women and people of color and non-binary folks in our industry can create profiles of their expertise, their areas of um, their subject matter expertise, what they want to speak on, their media kit, any information they need as a speaker. They're added to the system and conference organizers and media can actually access this platform to connect with speakers on their subject matter expertise through the lens of diversity and representation. So we've actually already had um, almost 70 or 80 voices pre sign up through our website. So we encourage. Anyone who fits into one of these groups who wants to potentially amplify their expertise um, this year or in the future, we definitely encourage them to sign up on our website because we'd love to add them to our platform.
1: Love that. So before we wrap, let's talk about What else, what else do you have plans to take quiet this year and beyond? I'm super excited to hear about quiet voices and do let us know where people can sign up and where they can check it out. Um, so what do you have plans for take over the world? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, we'll hopefully soon be announcing our first cohort of confer- of certified choir conferences. We're in conversations with a number of conferences now that we're, um, now that we've launched. And so that would be probably our next, next new thing. And then after that, we'll be um, rolling out Voices in a in a bigger way. Although, like Liv said, there are there is a spot on our website for early early signups, and we'd love for any of your listeners who who um, would like their voices amplified to to um, join and continue to um, get more folks to sign the sign the pledge. Really, the three the three same components. We just hope to grow it this year. And um, and then possibly in future years, other industries, but right now we really wanna to stick to finance broadly, the, the field that we know, and then where to find us. So that's an important one. <laughs> Everything we talked about today is on our website, which is hellochoir.com. And um, for listeners who wanna stay in touch uh, you can find choir on instagram and twitter with that same handle hellochoir.com and we're also on linkedin and you can subscribe to our newsletter by texting choir to 55444 so lots of ways to find us Liv and i are also on twitter and linkedin you can find us under by searching our names or you can find us through the um, hellochoir.com website I
1: think that covers it. Um. Awesome. Yes, I do I do agree and do follow both Sonia and Liv on social media. Um, not just quiet and beyond, there are tons of contents and, and good thoughts that I think we can all learn from every day. So thank you so much, Sonia and Liv, for joining us on the show today and to our listeners. Thank you for listening in to another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week.